Hello, NRL fans. Welcome back to the NRL Rewind Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Nemofsky. Back from our long break, we're back into the seat, raring to go, and we've got quite a few topics for you guys coming up. So obviously, we've got a few more rounds left in the regular season, so Supercoach is ramping up into uh, the end game now, so a lot of Supercoach content, as well as uh, just some standard NRL stuff that you guys have come to know listening to the show. So back now, back on the weekly podcast, so hopefully you guys enjoy it. A uh, bit more content coming out in terms of some shorter videos, maybe some using some other apps. So keep an eye out for everything. Go to the uh, socials, Twitter, Mike, jump over to Thread, uh, Facebook, Instagram, all those things. So we'll be running live. But today I wanted to talk about uh, a super coach thing that's been on my mind. So obviously uh, anyone who plays super coach draft knows obviously draft is the most important night of the year. You kind of get your team ready. And one of the things about draft is a lot of preconceived notions. So I think it's going to be, well, let's put it in three buckets. You've got pedigree, you know, who are the guys that have done it for you year on year out of your, you know, five years into your comp, you may have had someone, you know, three or four years and there's always a gun for you. So you're just going to pick them on. You already know that they're on your short list. If you've got a good pick, that player has come off the board. The next is the last season results where you didn't have them. So who tore up in your comp last year and you kept trying to trade for, but you couldn't get the trade over the line. You're going into this, you're going, I need this player. And the third one is just the general consensus. Obviously, thousands of Supercoach podcasts going right now, uh, you know, all the different contents, all the pages, all the fan groups. So who are the guys that are just buzzing about? Who are those rookies who are going to be guaranteed to get a spot? Who are the veterans who are moving into a new club and potentially a new role? like a Jack Wyden. Um, and, you know, who are the teams that are going up and down? You know, is the Roosters going to get their stuff fixed? Can the Cowboys go back to back? These are all the things we kind of spoke about heading into this year. So we've got three buckets there. So that will always impact the draft order. With the draft order, obviously that first round pick, I think for me, and obviously I've been in my draft league for five years now, heading into the sixth, where you kind of draft that first, everyone says you've got to get that first pick correct. Absolutely, you can't really mess up that first pick. But I think the top three picks is actually where you need to be. So, you know, if you do somehow, you know, get a, a bad injury luck or make a wrong pick on that first, you still got a couple more to kind of get you back into it. So let's do a quick a recap of my comp. So I'll, t- I'll show you the first round and you can kind of see where we kind of, where, where we were thinking before the start of the season. So obviously Nathan Cleary went number one consensus guy I think it was kind of him or Nico or you want to take a step in one of the fullbacks so clear one Latrell Mitchell went two and then I got Nico Hines at three obviously Hines came in with the calf injury so uh, you know four to six weeks was that initial rapport could have rolled into eight so he obviously dropped a little bit there you then have a little bit of run of Tedesco Munster and Turbo so that's four five six into number seven, Harry Grant, who is going to be a very interesting discussion in a moment. Damian Cook went eight. Adam Dewey went nine. Jerome Hughes, 10. And then a couple of Cowboys rounding out the first round in Scott Drinkwater, 11. Valentine Holmes, 12. So it got me thinking. I was at the pub having a few schooners with a couple of the mates. And I just kind of said, you know, not so much if the season finished today and we had to do a redraft for the next seven rounds, which because obviously... You've got current form, there's injuries, strength of schedule, those different things. I'm saying, and what I want to talk about today, 
if the season finished today and we have no further data, when we have our drafts in the first, the last week of February, what is the first round? Going solely on the end of round 19 in 2023. And when I started putting this list together to kind of do a bit of a very, very far first round mock, it was actually really interesting where we kind of got to because I think there is, let me just bring up the chart here. I think there is, there's two 100% above the above everyone. I think there's a, there's definitely a T1. I think then there's a second tier and it's based on a team strength, which we'll get to in a second. So that's another two players. Then you've got player four, five, sorry, five, six, seven, and eight in its own little bracket. We're going to call them the game breakers. Number nine is his own little tier. And then 10, 11, 12 is let's, we'll get to them and we'll, we'll name that group as we kind of go. But let me give you some notable mentions of who I think right now the season ended who would be in this discussion and who I ultimately think will be in that, you know, 13 to 20 range. So I think Dylan Brown, obviously if the season finished today, we, we, we don't see Dylan Brown anymore, but before he obviously went out for his off-field discretions, he was one of those players that was absolutely lighting the comp up. And what it was really showing this year is, you know, his running game has always been a really good, strong part of his game, but more to the point, he's, ball playing and everything about what Dylan Brown was doing was just really high-end quality and it added an extra element to his game. So he's gonna, he would have finished the season with a 76 average, um, a low score of 32. He only had two scores under 50 and knocked out four tons. So that just goes to show that Dylan Brown, when he's on his game, which he will be obviously heading into the next season, there was no injury, um, give him the full off season. I think he will be definitely in that range. I've then got Harry Grant. So I think this is the time where Hooker's always been one of those positions. I think even this year, Hooker is one of those positions now where because of, you know, you've got to grab one of those top guys. But I think what you've seen this year is Jacob Little. Let's use him as a test case in the last five rounds. I grabbed him. So I've got Harry Grant. I traded for him a couple of weeks ago. I also picked up Jacob Little a couple of weeks ago. And out of those four weeks that were together, Jacob Little beat him four times in terms of the scores. He's just going to get you that 50, which at Hooker right now, Really, really, you want to know this. A lot of um, comments out there who do AEs and, you know, you might just take an AE at the position. You know, you got your Blake Braley's, your Reese Robson's. I just feel like the guy that you're going to get in round four to seven and maybe even lower can, you know, get within 10 to 15 points of that Grant and Cook combo, who will be the next guy I'll mention, Damian Cook. I think we'll bunch those guys together because, yeah, there might be the odd ton and they've got the ability to go you know, 120 on their day, but that's going to be quite a few attacking stats. Uh, and then the hope, obviously, they get the 80 minutes. So I think this will be the first year, especially in my comp, where I'd be shocked if we actually see a hooker go in the first round. I think this year has kind of shown you that, you know, Harry Grant's 40s that are in his game, even a 35 a couple of weeks ago, you can't have that as your first as your first pick there. Jermaine Asako is the next guy. I just want to give a notable mention. Obviously, one of the top super scorers this year. That Dolphins team we're starting to see in the last four or five weeks. It's a long season. You know, they've got a lot of young guys, a lot of older guys. So getting that grind at the end of the year, I'd love to see them with another preseason. Some of these young guys developing. I think Jermaine Asako, who, again, has not played fullback this year. That's what's most surprising. And if he does lose that duel next year, 
I think he's out of the question for first round, but definitely a two, three, four kind of guy. So unfortunately, he's probably going to drop the jewel, but definitely going to be a good player to watch next year with an improved Dolphins team. I got Gutho. Uh, he's also in there. I could have swapped him and one of the other Eels I have in the top 12, but I think Gutho's going to be that guy. Always picked around that 12 to 24 range, always in that second round kind of swing. Uh, you just know what you're going to get. There is a high upside. We've seen it, especially with Dylan Brown. So I think that shows you if Moses or Dylan Brown goes on international duties, rep arena, injuries, you're Gutho who can come in there. And obviously, if the season finished today, I think he finishes on four straight tons or something like that. So definitely someone to watch. I think Tino, I think he's really played himself into. Again, he's probably going to keep that dual position. I, I don't see why you would drop that. He definitely plays through the middle. Uh, quite a bit so you wouldn't lose the front row but he is playing at lock so I think he keeps that and he's just one of those guys that he can find a meat pie got that quality base in him but there's always attacking stats in Tino so got to have him there two more guys to mention I think SJ uh, you know there'd have to be consideration for him another year older all the concerns we had heading into this year you obviously have two of us a check next year you've seen what Metcalf has done they've got Tamari Martin uh, Chanel Harris Tavita so there's a lot of guys there that are going to be kind of nipping at the wings there, but I think Shawnee will definitely be, I don't see him going past round two in my con. There's a couple of guys that really love SJ. And the last guy is Reese Walsh. I think Walsh is going to be one of those guys, especially, you know, I can see when Adam Reynolds does retire, he will keep the goal kicking, which will give him another element to his game. But yeah, I think that that Broncos team, if it finishes right now, we don't obviously don't know what's going to happen in the next seven weeks, but I just think that Reese has shown that We've seen in origin, we've seen in club level. When he's on the field, he's one of the guys, even when he scores a 20, like he did uh, against the Dolphins, I think it was a few weeks back, um, he's just one of those guys that it looks like 100 is always there for him. So he's one of the guys you're really scared not to own, um, and he can just lay a score on in very quick time. He's kind of got that latrell about him where he can be sitting on a 15, and within a 15-minute period, he can be up to 108, and all of a sudden, the game's gone pasture. So that's the notable mentions. Let's get into the first round. So I'm going to work down the list because I think that's the bottom of the first round is always the most intriguing part to me of a draft because the top speaks for itself. So I've got Nico Hines number one. I think for me, there's no doubt that he's going to be the guy who gets picked first. I've got the case for Cleary and obviously as we kind of get into next year and we see the draw, all those things will come into play. But I think it looks like he's going to be out of the origin arena, at least for the time being, until we see what happens next year. He's got that Sharks team. They've re-signed a lot of players. Uh, got Craig Fitzgibbon, obviously, continuing to improve as a coach. I think it's a no-brainer for Nico. Got those 180s in him, so that's easy pick. And Cleary's number two. So I think, similar to this year, if there was no Heinz injury, there would have been a lot of, you know, toing and throwing between those two guys. But, you know, Nate had one of those injuries where in that Dragon game where he did get injured, it was on. You could all tell that there was a huge scoring coming in that game and obviously the ha- the hammy or whatever it was when and uh he's been out gonna come back obviously we'll see how he goes in the last seven rounds and they'll probably into the finals that will you know sway a lot of people but obviously right now i think he's a clear number two let's go to that second tier uh players three and four i think i've got it as uh latrell mitchell even with the injury concerns and i've got cody walker so the reason why i've got the two bunnies there is i just think the Bunnies, with how that team is performing, you add Jack Wyden into the mix now. If he's going to play in the centres, you got Ty Munro, 
who looks like an absolute superstar in the making after a couple of first re- first grade games. This team is just going to be, you know, I think Guru had a had a tweet recently where it was, you know, Tass is going to be a reserve. You've got Milne. You've obviously got a couple of guys who have kind of Kenna who've came in and done a job earlier in the season. Thompson. These are all reserve guys, Taff as well. And then you've got this superstar team. So I think they're really well positioned. I think if you can grab bunnies next year, uh, I think it's going to be really well for you. Because I, I just don't see a scenario where they're not where they're not good. And I think that's what it comes down to. You've got to look at players, especially uh, on draft night. You've got to kind of really back you up and say, these are the teams I think will be the top four. And that at least gives you the basis to go, I'm going to attack these. So going into this season, if you thought the Cowboys, there was obviously two trains of thought. They're going to replicate what they did last year and they're going to go guns-ho, or they're going to fall back to the pack. So if you're one of those guys that thought they're going to go gun-ho and continue what they're going to do, you're going to value them and draft them high, uh, which, again, in our comp, there was two Cowboys drafted in the first round. So you've got to really, if you think that's going to be yourself, and I think that will be, I don't see there's a scenario where they're not, you know, a top four team next year, uh, you've got to back them in. So I think Cody and Latrell, they're going to be one of the best attacking teams in the comp like they always are. You've got to grab those two guys. Number five. So this is the next tier, and it's of four guys who I'm going to call these the game breakers. This is the the high upside chasing, because once you kind of get past those first three or four picks, you're now into the guise of who can I really slap the C or the VC on every week and feel confident, or on a matchup just absolutely know that the, the Supercoach record may be at play. So first is Scott Drinkwater. I think what Drinkwater's done uh, the last six weeks, really, he's really coming to his own where He's the lead dog in that team. Even though he's at fullback, the halves know to get him the ball. He's consistently, you know, shifting across field, looking some of those line balls that he's throwing, you know, the way he's able to slip through tackles. He's one of those guys with no goal kicking. Um, you just know that there, there can be a score put on. And, you know, there's going to be the odd score. You know, we obviously know that one earlier in the year, and that's how I was able to trade for him when he was in my team at a certain stage. Um, you've got to wear those because, your captain's not going to get it right every week unless there's a kind of London get a highs. And he's, he, he even has a couple of low ones in him. So I think Drinkwater is the pick there, followed by Cam Munster. And it's going to be really interesting because it's going to be a telling seven weeks in terms of super coach for Cam Munster. Once he comes out of origin, they've got no more buys. And it's a quite easy run home. And we all know that Munster is one of those guys, not really a flat track bully in terms of when he's got four easy games, you know, it's four big tons coming, uh, similar to a Nico or a Cleary. Um, he needs to get up for it. So, you know, he went in the top 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 six in our league this year, but he's been passed around quite a bit. He's on his third team now in our league, um, which for someone like Cam Munster doesn't really happen. And obviously it just shows that, you know, between Origin and Melbourne trying to find their feet with their new forward pack, no Ryan Pappenhausen at the back, it's going to really test the drafters to go, do we go pedigree here or is there someone a little bit better? He's obviously 5'8 only, hasn't really gone in a fullback this year, so you can't get that dual flexibility in there. And I think it's just going to be, I think Munster's going to be one of those guys, you're going to have to see what Melbourne do in the offseason, how the injuries, especially Pappenhausen, is looking, and then you can make a call if he jumps Latrell, Cody, Drinkwater. I've got him at six right now. Seven is Kalen Ponga. So I went from don't draft him, draft him late, uh, had him in my team for a little bit, uh, obviously, then got knocked out, traded him on, and we've seen what we've seen what he's done since he's come back. No origin, 
And that looks like it might be the case. You know, I think Reese Walsh has done enough to hold that Origin jersey next year, depending on his club form. So if Caelan Ponga doesn't play Origin, you're just getting him as the Newcastle Knights uh, fullback 5'8", because again, he played a little bit of both this year. So I don't see a reason why he should lose that duel. Um, he's a great pick. Uh, there's obviously a lot of injury risk, and you've got to really nail your... If you take Ponga in the first round, you've got to nail picks two and three in your draft order, just in case. And you've got to be ready to sell high if required. And if he just comes out and knocks out five tons in a row, uh, and then you can go up and grab one of those, you know, Latrell Cleary types. Um, I think Ponga's going to be a very interesting swing guy next year. And a couple of guys we'll mention down the bottom of our draft. Uh, I think he's moving himself out of that tier because of the sustained play he's had this year and the no origin, which I do love. Um, but yeah, I think he's going to be a really good pick next year. Mitch Moses at eight. So he's obviously the power guy we'll be taking out here. He's the goal kicker. Has got a very high ceiling. We've seen his running game this year. He's been really, really nice. Has got the low score in him. There's no doubt about it. Um, when they do have a tough game, Mitch Moses sometimes turns into that organizer kicker. There's no real attacking stats for him, but I think you just have to go with him because he's one of those guys, you know, I, I had a matchup early in the year against Dave, one of my mates in the draft. I had Nico who scored a 315 as a captain, uh, and then he had a Cleary who scored a 320 and was able to match him. And there's not many guys that can go in there and match that. So I think you've, that's got to be, he's been dinged. I don't actually don't think he's gone in our first round uh, in five years. He's always been second round. He's never fallen out of the second round, but he's never gone in that first round. And, I, and again, 7-8, Ponga Moses in this redraft here is where Grant and Cook went. And I think it just shows you that the days of grabbing those hookers just because hooker is a weak position, when you really step take a step back and go, there's going to be guys that can stay within, you know, 10 to 15 of these guys, I'm going to go chase a ceiling. And that's where it is. Number nine is the player on his own. It's Fafida. So this is obviously dependent on, does he say the Titans? Does he go to the Raiders and go reunite with Sticky, who's had those meetings with? Does he go back to Brisbane? Fafita's just shown this year that that work rate and base, he is nearly matchup proof now. And he can consistently knock hundreds out. And it only really needs one attacking stat, and he can get to that 100 mark. So I think he's one of those guys that he fell to pick number 22 this year. I grabbed him in the second round. I still have him in my team and happy to have him because he's one of those guys. A VC or a C, it doesn't really matter. He's going to be matchup proof. He'll get you at least a 70. Uh, that's kind of the floor he's sitting now is a, 70, a 65 to a 75. And on a hard week, that's exactly what you need. So I think as a strike tour up, especially if he does move to somewhere like a Brisbane, Canberra would be interesting depending on who the halves are there that they get to come in and fill Jack Wyden's spot. But um, yeah, I think for Fido, is very, very good there. So obviously we get to 10, 11, and 12, and there's three huge names I have not mentioned yet, and I'm going to mention them now. So number 10 is Teddy. So he obviously went number four in our comp this year. He's just been, and again, I've I've always said this, and I don't know if I've said it in the podcast, but this year, as I've been watching the games, watching Origin, there's just something about him. And one of the things I'm saying is he's never going to be the guy, his, his stats will never look bad as he's dropping off in terms of he's losing a step or he's kind of getting to the a next stage of his career. He's never going to look bad. He's always going to have his 15, 20 runs. He'll have somewhere between two to five tackle breaks, you know, maybe a line break or a line break assist in there somewhere. You know, he's always going to kind of get to that spot, but he's, he's averaging a 62 this year with two tons. 
And the two times are 112. And I think on one of those, he actually, I'm just checking it now. Yeah, he had two doubles. So 118 was the scores. He had two doubles and two assists, two doubles and one assist in those games. If you had Teddy of old in those games, now you're pushing 150, 160. Uh, it's just this this Roos's team is t- a team full of superstars. We've said it for a couple of years now, but it just started to look clunky and Joey Manu wants to come and get involved. And we don't know what's happening with Sam Walker and Samuel Smith's pretty young. Luke Keery's at a stage of his career that's, you know, really close to where Teddy is now. The forwards aren't really what they used to be in terms of the prime Hargreaves and Takiyaho. It's just, I don't think that you can really pick him over some of these other guys now. Like if you went to next year's draft and there would still be some guys I know who would pick Teddy over Drinkwater because of name and pedigree, you know, I don't think that the Cowboys can do it again. And can Scott Drinkwater to do a three years in a row, instead of two years in a row. But I'm just telling you right now, it'd be foolish to pick Teddy over Drinkwater from what we've seen. Obviously, again, we'll see. Maybe he comes in the next season. We get the stories from the Daily Telegraph. He's dropped four kilos and he's looking fit and he's retired from rep footy and he wants to solely focus on the Roosters. And he's been, you know, working with Billy Slater on his uh, ball playing out the back on his sweeps. We could get all those stories and that could move him. But right now, if the season ends today, you know, there's too many low scores in there. Like if we look at some of the low scores issues at a 22 or 42, a 29, a 32, like these aren't Teddy's scores. So, Someone that I'm very interested to see. Turbo is next. So again, there's only some guys who just want to go, I'm putting the black marker through him. I'm not taking him in the first round, maybe even first two rounds because um, the injury risk is too high. So I'll tell you a story about my comp and why I don't think he can fall out. So I didn't have a fullback in the draft. I had to do some maneuvering. When Drinkwater got sent off for the one, I traded John Bateman, I think it was Stags, and got Drinkwater back. Play drink water was really, really nice. Turbo was obviously starting to fire, and it was after that Raiders game, heading into that Dolphins game. I pulled a trade to go drink water, who had just, he hadn't hit his run yet. He was, you know, scoring well in the 80, 90 to 100 mark. But I went drink water and Munster for Turbo. Um, and that Manly game against the Dolphins was bliss. And there's only been a couple of times watching Supercoach and NRL where I've thought that, you know, Pappenhausen four tries in 10 minutes against the Broncos is one that comes to mind. But Turbo's me one of those guys, yes, he can lose you a comp. And I'm lucky because I've got Heinz this year for feeder. I can kind of, you know, absorb that bit of a loss there. But he could also win your comp. And, you know, if he, he could be another guy who comes out and says, look, I'm not going to play Origin. Now, if that happens, then it's a solely manly thing. And that's what I mean between Teddy and Turbo and Ponga, you know, these are the guys that they may not play Origin anymore and they're only on club and there's less games and, you know, they can get managed a little bit better. Turbo's not falling out of the first round. I know it's another injury, another season ender. And, you know, guys have been burnt. This is the second time I've been burnt by a season injury injury for Turbo in the last five years. It doesn't matter. If I get the 11th pick and all the guys I mentioned are gone above and Turbo's there, I'm taking Tom Travojevic, which takes us to number 12. And again, we're going off the season ending today, right now. We have not seen this man on the field. It's Ryan Pappenhausen. We have not seen him on the field yet. We see the training videos. He looks, you know, that's a little bit of a sprint. He's got a he's sprinting across fields, dropping it under, all those things are whipping wetting our appetite. But essentially, if he comes in and we know at the start of next year that he's either played a couple of games at the end of the year or he's walking in 
and he's declaring himself fully fit for round one. I am just telling you now, Ryan Pappenhausen will not make it past the turn in round one. And I'm that guy. If I'm at 12 and Pappenhausen is there and all the guys above are gone, I'm taking Ryan Pappenhausen. I drafted him around six this year. He's still on my bench. I have not. Anyone who drafted, um, I think the weekly rubdown guys mentioned this. If you drafted Pappenhausen late in your drafts, anything from like round five under, you didn't draft him for round one, round 10, round 20. I did it solely for if he's there in my prelim or my grand final and he's the starting fullback for Melbourne, that's why I drafted you. I didn't need you for anything else in the season. I was willing to copy you as a round six draft pick. If I needed to send you to the waivers in the free agents because I heard you weren't coming back, it wasn't going to hurt my season. But we've seen the progression. There's going to be, he's already kind of mentioned that, you know, it's touch and go if you can make it before the finals. There will definitely be a Q Cup stint. If Let's say that Q Cup stint is in round 22 or 23, which again, it may not be. This might be happy thinking, but... If he gets there, that's why you draft him. And I think if we go into next year's draft and him and Craig Bellamy are already saying he's done the work, he's ready to go, he's going to be a starter in round one. If we get that news and in TLT, Ryan Pappenhausen is the number one for the Melbourne Storm, you're going to draft him in the first round. You're not going to be like, oh, is he going to, what's he going to look like when he's on the field versus, no, no, no. You're going to draft Ryan Pappenhausen. That's just a cold, hard fact. There's no one who's going to be able to pass up in a draft league and say, I've been told he's fully fit, because that's what you do for Turbo every year. Every year when Turbo does his hammy, does his AC joint, whatever it is, you know, this year with the pec, he comes in, he's got the label injury prone, and he comes in and it's like, yep, ready to go. He's ready for round one. You're going to do the exact same thing for Ryan Pappenhausen once you get that notification. So that's the first round. Hines, Cleary, Latrell, Cody, Drinkwater, Munster, top six. Ponga, Moses, Fafida, Teddy, Turbo, Pappy. There's pedigree guys there, end of the first round. There's guys that you, you know, the the team that you think are going to go well, the Rabbitohs and Latrell and Cody. The guys that you couldn't get this year, you know, the Ponga owner who's not going to sell, the Moses owner who's not going to sell, the Fafida owner who's not going to sell. Plenty of ways to run a draft comp and, you know, kind of work at that first round. But I think looking at it, there's a list of about 20 guys that I think will be in contention. I think anyone outside that 20 is going to be a real reach at this stage of the season ended right now. But I think there are 12 guys that kind of levitate above whether it's pedigree, this year's form, or what is projected for next year. So that's it, guys. Just wanted to jump on the mic and kind of talk with that one through because I thought that was a very interesting how is it all going to shake out. And you know, I know people like to do that redraft or you know, helping out for the run home. We'll obviously use something similar for that to see who we're going to do, you know, who are the guys we're going to target for the rest of the run for classic end draft. But for this one here, just wanted to really talk through some of the guys that may have fallen off, the injury concerns, the new team feel, and just the genuine superstars of the game. So I'll leave it there, guys. Thanks for listening. Again, we're going to be back on weekly now. So please follow us on the socials at the end of a rewind. Plenty more content coming out, some new stuff as well. So Hope you guys listen. Thanks for listening and we'll hear from you soon. Cheers.